welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson. And I'm Mike Toole, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors. Welcome back to another episode of What the HR. Today, we're joined by Carrie Bischoff, founder and CEO of Carrie Bischoff Consulting and a Gallup certified Clifton Strengths coach. She is also a well-being coach who partners with clinicians and educators at Johns Hopkins. Carrie's approach is defined by curiosity and care. Leading with learner, she brings curiosity to every consulting opportunity, be it with an individual or an organization. She's helping organizations unlock their potential by growing stronger teams, providing a common language for connection and collaboration, and inspiring individuals to authentically pursue their dreams. In today's episode, we discuss Gallup's strengths. Carrie shares what strengths are, how they can be leveraged in the workplace to create better connection, collaboration, and curiosity amongst teams. If you're loving our episodes and our guests, please do us a huge favor and go out to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and review. Those rating and reviews really help get the word out about our podcast and ensure that um, our topics and our guests get great visibility about all the amazing and, and awesome information they're sharing with all of you. So as always, thanks for being a listener and we hope you enjoy the episode. All right. Well, Carrie, welcome to the What the HR podcast. We're excited to have you today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Jess. Yeah, you're welcome. So we did a more formal bio of you at the top of the podcast episode, but if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit more with our listeners on your background, and of course, our topic today is going to be strengths. So if you could share how you um, ended up in the strengths space. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah. So uh, my journey into strengths actually started uh, many, many years ago. Um, I worked in the business world. I, you know, have a master's in education and my background in business management, former teacher. And that's really where I discovered strengths is working with students and saw the success with students. And then um, one of my dearest friends, her sister worked for Gallup. And originally they only would certify coaches within an organization. And they decided to um, certify external coaches. So she's like, Carrie, let's go do this. This would be great. And I'm like, I don't know, right? How can we make this work, right? So we went into Nebraska, drove to Nebraska, got certified on the way home. We're like, now what are we going to do? Because they give you all the information, but they don't really tell you what to do with it. So we have all the research as the scallops, you know, is known for. And we're driving home. We're like, let's just try to make this work. She goes, quit your full-time job. Let's do this. Let's form a partnership. And it took me six months to get brave enough, right? The courage to actually quit my full-time job. Um, I wasn't really growing what I love to do. So this was a huge jump, you know, lack of security going out on my own. But we started with somebody that we knew, right? We went into, we both went to the same hair salon. We started there barter system, right? Got some free haircuts for all, but tried it out. And then from there, over the last decade or so, just have grown from that, working to major organizations, um, corporations, from nuns to neurologists, right? I have worked with. But again, just seeing how I use my strengths and how it's helped me to identify that and how I've grown in the last decade has been phenomenal. So just to give you an insight, my strengths, number one, are learner. So I love to learn. Two is achiever. Input, love that information, and then wooing communication. And I think we share that, Jess. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't want to assume that anybody knows strengths. So if you could maybe just give our audience just a general understanding of strengths, you know, they might be thinking, oh, I'm familiar with insights discovery or, or disc or one of the others. So what is strengths and how does it maybe differentiate itself from some of its other assessment uh, friends or competitors? Right, right. So I think you can benefit, you know, from any assessment, but strengths really concentrates on what your natural talents are, what you naturally, how you naturally think, behave, and feel. So it's an online assessment. You can go to gallopstrengthsright.com, buy it right online. It's a psychometric um, assessment, takes about 30 minutes, and then you're going to get a report. And I think it's important to realize, like, people get this report and go, oh my gosh, yes, this really resonates with me. These are my strengths. But actually, when you get the assessment, they're your natural talents. 
They might not be strengths yet. So again, how you naturally feel, what you naturally do. By putting a word to it, sometimes we don't have a word for it, but this puts a word to it. Oh, that's my woo, or that's my ideation. And then it's important that we build on that, right? We really invest in it. Skills, practice, knowledge, just like anything that you want to be good at, just like building up our muscles, right? We have to invest in that. Now invest in those talents and then they become strengths. So what we're looking at for those pockets, right? Those areas that you can be excellent in, find your most potential. You don't have to be great at everything, not like school. We don't have to get A's in every subject, rather it's, you know, if I add to chemistry, right? But this is what can you be really good at? And those, right, become your strengths, those areas of excellence. And that's what this assessment does is, what are those areas? And you just naturally self-direct into those areas. So I always like to tell this personal story when I have talked to people who haven't had experience with strengths before, because this was a personal experience that I had that I felt set strengths aside from some of the other assessments that I had had exposure to in my career is that strengths has like, I can't remember what they call it, Carrie, you'll, you can probably keep me honest here, but there's some sort of summary. Well, I'll call it at the beginning of your PDF um, kind of output that strengths provides you. And I was in a session with a group of colleagues and ironically, one of my colleagues had the exact same strengths top five strengths that I did in the exact same order. So we swapped each other's PDF PDFs that strengths gave us. And I read his summary and he read my summary and our summaries read almost opposite of each other. Mm-hmm. Like the things that lit up his, his lit up him when it came to his top five strengths were not necessarily the same things that got me going or lit me up. So even though I like to just share that story, because even though you might be like, oh, well, I'm on this team or my partner or my friend or my colleague has the same top five strengths as I do, it doesn't necessarily mean that you two are carbon copies of each other or, you know, uh, execute the same way or communicate the same way, um, given those, those top five talent themes, if you will. Right. So I have to tell you just that I've never heard of anybody in all the sessions I've done that you have the exact same strengths, right? Those top five strengths and that exact same order. It's never happened. And the research from Gallup will say that how rare this is, you are one in 33 million that you will <laughs> find the person, right? With the exact same top strengths in that order. So there, again, you're my first person. So, but what you brought up is so important is, right? We don't want to say, Yes, you have a woo in communication. I have a woo in communication. I, I know exactly who you are because there's 34 strengths. They're divided into four leadership domains, executing, influencing, relationship building, um, and strategic thinking. And how they manifest in you is going to look different than me because they're surrounded in it, it by different strengths, right? In different orders. So again, we don't want to just say, these are your strengths. I know who they are. And that's why we have those conversations, coaching conversations, one-on-one conversations to really get um, to the essence of that. How you show up is going to look different than I show up. You have harmony, right? In that, in that top five, I don't. So again, that's a relationship building strengths. I don't have relationship building strengths in my top five. I lean to more of that learner, right? Asking questions. So I think that's important. Just like you said, who are you authentically? How do you show up? And then what do you need to be your best? Mm -hmm. Will you also just briefly, because strengths um, has a unique option where I think for the the general um, initial payment that you could that you can pay to get your top five. It does give you just that, your top five. But then there's a more elevated package where you can get your top, well, you can get all 34. Um, So can you just share a little bit about if somebody were interested in getting all 34, how they might be able to leverage their bottom five, maybe compared to those that are in, I'll call it the muddy middle, to -hmm. those that are in your top five? Right. Right. So when I started, almost everybody used the top five, right? They just had the top five. We use that. Well, a couple of years ago, they reformatted. Um, they'd, 
the the full 34 strengths, right? A new algorithm. So they went to the full 34 and really I won't um, coach or work with people unless they get the full 34 if they're in that leadership position because the top third of that list are your most dominant strengths, one through 10, one through 12. That's where we concentrate, right? That's what shows up. And that's, again, those pockets of excellence, those talents that we can really invest in. Um, And when we use that, right, when we really own it, through maybe a team session, through some coaching, understanding who you are, what happens is you're like, yes, this is me, right? I love to go into into a room and maybe where I don't know people and make those connections. I love making those connections, sharing stories, right? Making sure the group, everybody's, you know, getting along, we're moving ahead in the right direction, getting something done. But when you really own those top 10 strengths and can connect it with real life experiences, how you were successful, why you made those decisions that you did, then, right, we don't want to, again, focus on those bottom five, but just understanding that they're there. They're not necessarily, you know, they're your least supportive strengths, they're there. Um, But when you go through that, then in coaching, I would say, okay, now here are your bottom five, let's go through that, right? And as you go through it, and I describe it, that person that I'm coaching or that leader will say, yep, that's not me. Yep, that's not me. Nope, Mm -hmm. I, nope. And, And they don't beat themselves up over it. Right. They don't try to be that person. Now they understand I can be really good here in that top 10, but those bottom five, I need to manage it. I need to be aware of it. But now what is the next step? Who can I bring in? Is there somebody on my team? Right. Those are their top strengths. And now we can form more of that complementary partnership. What lights me up is going to look different than what lights them up. But how do we work better together, even though we're coming at it completely, you know, from a different strengths perspective? So when you work with companies, Carrie, let's say you go into a company, like let's say there's somebody listening who wants to implement strengths. Can you talk a little bit about the process of implementing it? Maybe how long it takes, what the training looks like, like talk a little bit, maybe what you do with your customers. Yeah. So initially, you know, it's a conversation. I have a conversation with the leader of the team or, or um, the person that um, contacted me and what are your goals? right? Where where do you want to go with this? So we have that initial conversation and then everybody takes the assessment. We send out the link. It's one common link that everybody on the team, right? Or in the organization can take. I take um, the results of those assessments and I, I put them together on a team grid, right? Have another conversation with the leader. This is your team, right? Go through that. We'll have a workshop. Usually it's the first workshop is foundations of strengths, those basic strengths questions, um, practice using the language, one-on-one conversations, then we'll go into the team grid. And then of course, my all-time favorite is how do others see you, right? Everybody's curious, like, how does this strength show up, right? If I overuse it or, or um, if I lean in it too much, but you have the responsibility to show up how you want to be seen. So just making small tweaks is important. So those are kind of those blind spots. So that's kind of the first session. Then we go into one-on-one coaching, right? One-on-one coaching. And again, that's where the magic happens. We're not just taking the words off the page, right? Of that report, you great, get great reports right through Gallup, but how does this connect with what you've done in life, those decisions you made? So it becomes clearer, right? And with that clarity, you just get more confident. Oh, that's why I made this decision, right? Or that's why I did that. Or that's why that success was, you know, so beneficial and maybe something didn't work out. You have a better understanding than why it didn't. Were you getting what you need? Was that an area of your strength? And then about six months to a year later, depending on the needs of the team, we'll we'll come back together, right? And do more of an engagement session. Concentrate really on six through 10, those six through 10 strengths. Find out your values, connect values with strengths. And then what lights you up and what drains you? Then how do you use this, right? That practical application is so important. How do you use this with your team, right? What's that project management aspect or what are those tasks? Who then from that team grid would be the best fit? And then you have that conversation. So again, Mm -hmm. it's working together. How do we work better together? And when you go in and you do this assessment, so there's there's four buckets, right? Executing, mm-hmm. strategic thinking, relationship building, influencing, and then there's a bunch of uh, strengths in each bucket. Right. You go through an assessment and you get a snapshot of a team. Is there any tough conversations there like in terms of how your team is built and if there has to be any changes? And I'm just thinking 
everybody's um, strategic thinker, right? We have nobody on the team that really excels in, in execution. You know, do you address those things? Mm-hmm. Right. So once we get, you know, kind of the team grid situated, what we're looking for is, remember, you don't have to be well-rounded individually. You don't have to have a strength in every um, every domain, but the team should be well-rounded. Mm-hmm. So again, influencing typically is the lowest domain because they have the three rarest strengths, command, um, significance, um, and self-assurance. So that one typically is lower. So people, again, we just naturally focus on what we're not high in, right? They don't go to what do we do well, but what is our lowest? So what I would say is look at this, think of what your mission and purpose is. What are your goals? So whatever that is, how do we use in other strengths? So for instance, um, like I was saying earlier is in my top five strengths, I don't have any relationship building strengths. And naturally you're thinking, Oh my gosh, does Carrie have any friends? Like how does she build relationships? (laughs) She doesn't have any friends. And really what I've learned through this is my learner. I have learner number one and learners are very curious, right? They love to ask questions. So I really lean into that learner. Who are you? What do you do? Um, Again, I build relationships by learning about somebody, by communicating, right? Sharing stories. So that's what we would do with the team grid is, is once we find an area, maybe that, again, we're lacking in, or we're not as dominant in that, in that um, leadership domain, are there other strengths that you can pull in, such as belief? If somebody is high in belief, you can hear their beliefs. They talk about their values, that you know what they are. If you're passionate about what you believe in, people naturally lean in. So can you use belief as an influencing strength? So don't get, again, siloed into those domains, but really how going back and forth like curtains is how do we use strengths in different ways? And your ideation, Michael, that'd probably light you up, right? What are those different ways that we can use these strengths to accomplish our goals? So in terms of, let's say, I get this question a lot. So I'm curious your input on it, Carrie. Let's say someone's like, all right, I've been a part of this team. This is the value that I've provided. I've now moved into management. And so I'm going to go retake the strengths because I've been in management for two years now. I must be an entirely different person because of these new muscles that I have to flex in people leadership. Do you see that those top 10 strengths change much as an individual evolves either personally or professionally? Right. What they say is if you've taken this assessment after the age of 25, um, that your top 10 strengths, right, your dominant strengths are pretty stable, right? They have a technology report. It's on my website. You can go into that. Those people high in analytical, right, get those facts. But they shouldn't change unless you have a major life you know, occurrence, a divorce, a death, maybe if you're in a completely new role, right? Or if you've taken this previously and you thought this doesn't resonate, right? Then go ahead and retake it. But usually you'll find um, the test, retest reliability is pretty high. What you'll do though is, especially when you come as your individual contributor, right? And you go into a leadership position is we think what we know a leadership what a leader looks like. We have this like stereotypical way. What does this leader look like? And if you don't fit that, Am I supposed to be a leader? How do I lead? And what this does is help you identify that you're going to lead completely different in a different way. And knowing, again, how you lead, what you do best, what you need to be your best, right? Then you can kind of take that and go, that's how they lead. And that's what they're doing really well. They're working an area of their strengths. But this is how I approach it. Maybe I'm more relational. Maybe I'm more influential, right? Or task-driven. But again, you learn you don't have to be the best. Who on the team do I bring that in to help support my leadership? And how do we work better together? Mm-hmm. So it's very important for leaders to not... When I coach, I get into that especially for high in relationship building, this isn't what a leader should look like. They shouldn't be high in empathy, right? Or harmony or um, adaptability, any of those, you know, relater. But actually developer, one of the strengths in in, um, the relationship domain to me is one of the most important relationship or leadership strengths is because what they truly do is look for the potential in others and stay with them and help them grow, right? And they're more happy for their success than even their own success. So they can let it go. They don't have to be on the stage. 
they are, again, as a leader, that's what you want to do is grow other leaders. And that's what developer does. So what, how do you, you use your strengths in that leadership role, which is going to look different than somebody else. But once you stop comparing yourself to what you think a leader should look, that's when you really shine. That's when your mm-hmm. true leadership strengths and talents um, come through. Um, those are really great examples, Carrie, but I do want to clarify something that you said in there. Did you say that there were some strengths that aren't great for leadership or did I miss, were you saying that there aren't any that shouldn't be disregarded in terms of what strong leadership should look like? Right. We can use all, our, you, the best strengths that you have to be a leader are the strengths that you have, those top 10 strengths. So every strength um can be used in leadership. It's just going to look different, right? How you lead is going to look different than how somebody else leads. Once we embrace that and have that self-awareness and really own it, um, that's when you start to shine, Mm -hmm. like, and let go of what you think you should be versus who you are and Mm -hmm. how you lead. Yeah. So how about in terms of creating a team, Carrie, if you were to put together a team that is based on strengths, start from the ground up, are you looking for a team filled with people with similar strengths or do you want it across the board? You want diversity, mm-hmm. right? You just want diversity. And, and you're, again, you're looking for strengths in every domain. When you see that team grid, what you want to do is start with the most qualified person, right? You never want to hire based on strengths. Find that most qualified person for that role. Find out what their strengths are. And then again, how do they belong to the team? Like Brene Brown says, it's not about fitting in. We don't want to change to have to fit in, but how do you belong on that team? So when I introduce the team grid, um, I always say, if you are the only one with that strength on that team, don't think that you don't fit, right? Or don't belong here. You actually, this is what the team needs because what is rare is valuable. So if you're the only one with deliberative, or you're the only one, right, with activator or significance, lean into that, right? Shine it up. Because so often as we're growing up and we have those strengths that aren't as common, um, we kind of tamp them down a little bit because we don't want to be seen as different. And now when you discover this is what makes me unique, this is what, what makes me valuable, we shine it up. And then again, we just own it. So we need that person on that team because we're looking for a diversity on a team. We want strengths, ideally, right? It'd be nice to have strengths with you know all 34 on a team. But if you don't, how do we use those strengths? Um, but making sure we just have some in each domain would be nice, but never hire. You know, if we never hire based on what strengths you need, hire the most qualified person. Yeah. The other thing I was wondering. <clears throat> is as a manager or as a leader, how do you handle strengths and weaknesses amongst the team? Because I imagine that knowing the different strengths of your teammates, you probably maybe would manage a little bit differently to that person. Right. And I'm wondering, for example, like I I don't have anything in executing, Mm -hmm. right? There are certain administrative tasks that I just, I just don't do very well. Um, Fortunately, my leaders have understood that, but it, you know, is there something to be said about kind of treating everybody differently because of their strengths? And then how does that affect the overall team? And, and what I'm wondering is, well, why is, why does Jess have to do it? But Mike doesn't type of thing, not necessarily has to her, but you know, it's okay for her to be good at it. It's okay for him to be bad at it. Like, how do you handle that stuff amongst teams? Well, we're looking, remember strengths is about looking for the best in everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's about having those conversations, finding out, Michael, what you do, what you love to do based on those strengths. Again, having that conversation with the leadership one-on-ones and then finding those complementary partnerships. So I'm just, I know, Michael, you have that ideation and futuristic, your fourth and fifth strength. So if we were on the same team and I had my full list of 34 and my 34 and 33 are ideation and futuristic, Right. Even though we're coming at, right, our perspective is going to be a little bit different. Once we understand that, once I learn, like, you know what, I need some help coming up with creative ideas, right, or thinking about the future, and I'm talking 5, 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. when I go in that brainstorming session, I'm going to bring Michael with me, right, because come up with different ideas, right? It's like, Michael, yours probably popping like that, right? Pop, pop, pop. I can think of different ideas. I'm more like the crock pot of ideas, right? It takes me a long time. I have to warm up. So I'm, I'm recognized now, like 
again, it used to be like, why can't I think of anything when I go in these brainstorming sessions, right? Everybody's come with ideas and I just freeze. Now I understand my ideation is low. I can think of ideas, but it's going to take me longer. And actually I'm going to be better if I lean into Michael, because he's going to start that conversation and start ideas. And then I can pick it up from there. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Now this is idea. Oh, you gave me that vision that I can see that I can't see. Now I right with that achiever that executing can take that and make it work. Right. I can run with it. I don't have to come up with all those ideas or where we're going to be in 20 years, but when you help me see that, bring it to me. Right. And then I'll make sure we get it done. Right. I'll learn about it with that learner input. I'll research and that achiever. I will not give up until I cross that finish line. So that's what you want to do with a team. Who are you? What do you do well? And then how do we work better together? How do we complement each other? And that's the key is being respectful of not only your strengths, but the other strengths on the team. They're going to show up different. They can drive you a little crazy. But once you understand that, right, we don't personalize it. Oh, that's what Michael needs. He's going to ask me what the future looks like. He's going to want to think outside the box. He's not just trying to drive me crazy because I already have my list of what I'm going to do. But again, it just helps you change that perspective. Make, yeah, I, I hear you loud and clear. I even think about Jess and I doing this podcast and having her to pick up a lot of slack around communication and just execution on things. And it works very well, I think, because we do have different strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes complete sense to me. In terms of everybody moving, kind of working from home more. So you said that strengths can change based on maybe some traumatic events. And we all kind of went through one. Um, have you seen? change there or have you seen maybe how the strengths in in general are used differently now that work is done a little bit differently? Yeah, I haven't seen really strengths that change, but you'll just understand working remotely, right? Versus being in the office. Some people are going to prefer to work remotely and some people prefer to go into the office. So if you are a person that's high, like and woo, right? Or or communication, you need that social interaction. Even though it's on Zoom, right, Jess, we got kind of that. But when we get in a room, a live, right, presentation in person, we light up, right? We just, you know, that gives us energy. Other people can do it, right? They can go there, but they're going to be more exhausted afterwards. So they actually like, you know, this Zoom screen, right? They like to be behind something. It's not as um, it doesn't drain their energy as much. So they prefer, in fact, maybe people at deliberative, right? They don't want to be interrupted as much or focus. They need a chunk of time. So not having those in-office distractions, right? People stopping by your desk or, or and, you know, having to walk somewhere and being interrupted, they actually feel more comfortable. I've coached people is that they just are more resistant going back to the office because they think that they're more productive and do better work at home. They need that quiet. They need um, less of that social interaction. And then other people are like, no, I want to be in the office. I need that. I need to know these people. I need to talk to them and, you know, go to the office next to me if I have a problem. But yeah, so they don't really change, but you understand what you really need and how you use strengths and who's going to be more comfortable in person and who's going to be comfortable right at home. Are there ways, Carrie, that you recommend whether people are maybe, maybe we can talk through a couple of scenarios, teams that are predominantly in person, teams that are predominantly hybrid, and then the third being teams that are predominantly remote first in ways that strengths, their strengths can kind of be displayed or always brought to attention at maybe the beginning of a meeting. So everyone's kind of level said, okay, carries this, Mike's this. I need to be thoughtful about that when I'm discussing X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Great question. And, and especially with the remote work, I think we what we're missing is especially those people that are high in relationship building that need that connection, need to get to know the people that they're working with, forming those friendships. We don't have a lot of the the like the water cooler chatter, right? The, the, what did you do this weekend or how was your weekend right before a meeting? Sometimes we'll just jump in and these are the things we need to do. And then, you know, the meeting's over and you're naturally cut off. So again, getting more of those times that we can get to know each other is important. If you're working remotely, what I've heard over and over again is 
sometimes you feel a little lost. You don't know where you stand. No one's checked in with me. Um, I don't know. Am I doing a good job? Am I not? Right? Are they are they intentionally leaving me out of meetings? So really making sure leaders check in with fully remote people. They need that connection once a week. Right. Ask them, how, do, how often do you want to be, you know, do we need to check in? Is it once a week? Is it by a text? Is it an email? Is it a phone call, right? Is it Zoom? Are you getting Zoom fatigue? Would you rather just pick up that phone? But make sure you stay connected with those people that are working remotely. They feel, they're feeling disconnected and they're working hard and acknowledge them, right? Recognize them for that hard work. The people that are in office, it seems like most people that are in office want to be there. So most organizations are giving um, their team members a choice, right? I, we need you in the office maybe two or three days a week, um, whatever those days are, and then you can work from home the other two days. And that seems like a nice, kind of a nice blend as we kind of get back into that in-person. So I heard once um, when the pandemic started, a futurist saying those times that we need to brainstorm, right? To be creative, to be strategic, those meetings are best done in person, right? If we can get everybody in the same room, that's important, right? That's a priority. But those those ways that we get work done, those task-driven um, you know, parts of your job, where do you work best? Do you work best at home? Do you work best in the office? What does that look like? Let them decide, right? You're going to get the best out of them. Those don't necessarily have to be in person. I always kind of go with that. So what really is the purpose of this meeting, right? Or why are we getting together? And then look at your team. Where do they shine, right? How are we going to get the best out of each person? Asking them questions, communicating with them. How are they feeling, right? How are you really not just how are you, the standard mm-hmm. answer, but really try to go a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Because some people are suffering a little bit more than others. Are there creative ways that you've seen companies consistently make everyone in a meeting or on a team aware of what each other's strengths are? Like it's brought up at the top of every meeting and it's used as a... Um, an image in your background screen on a team's call, like anything creative there that would be good for our listeners to maybe think about if they're an organization that uses strengths. Right. One of the easiest ways is make a virtual table tent in your zoom window, right? Keep your first name, rename yourself, put your top five strengths in that, in that, then again, you I'll see Jess. I see her through the lens of her strengths now, right. With Alcia's communication, right. Woo. And that harmony. And you start, As you talk, I'll start connecting your strengths to the stories that you tell or how you get work done. So that's, again, keep it top of mind. Keep it right out there. Um, If you're in office, those strengths-based organizations, they put their strengths outside your office door, right? Or outside your cubicle or wherever you work, right? List your strengths so people can see them. If I'm working with somebody high in analytical, if I see that and I'm going toward that office and I'm, you know, trying to present this great idea, right, Michael, that you come up with. And I stop there. I'm like, Ooh, they have, I, they have analytical, right. And their top five strengths. Do I have the proof, right? I need, I need a nice good Excel spreadsheet here before I go in there. Cause that's what they're going to ask is how do you know this is going to work, Michael, right? Give me some proof. Now I can go back and get what that person needs. So again, Go into Jess, communication. We're going to share stories, right? We're going to need to connect. We're going to look at, you know, what's going well is maybe extra 10 minutes at the top of the meeting, knowing that let's connect, let's share stories um, on that level. So again, it just gives you an insight of what that person needs. Once you meet their needs, they're more open to your needs. Another thing I'm curious about is, although Gallup calls them strengths, Would you say, Carrie, that there are times when a strength, I'll just say, could be dialed up too high? Like, I don't show up as my best self when I'm in conflict, but my harmony is dialed up too high. And so maybe I don't jump in and state the obvious of what's going on in a meeting because I'm concerned about ruffling feathers as just one example. Right. Yeah. Um, excellent question, because what we do is kind of what we did at the beginning of this call. We look at our top strengths, right? We naturally go to those bottom five, right? If we have our full 34, what are my weaknesses? But really, every strength has, I call them a shadow side, right? Every strength has a shadow side. If we overuse that strength and it becomes a barrier, we're not productive, right? It's getting in our way. 
drives us a little bit crazy or drives somebody else crazy, right? It can get us in trouble. That's again, it's dialed up too high. Just like you said, we had, we dialed it up. So we need to learn how to really leverage it, be responsible for how we want to be seen. So maybe we need to dial it back a little bit. So for instance, my communication, I love to talk, right? And I especially love to talk about strengths. I'm passionate about it. Um, I just love to share and I love to share stories. What I do in a workshop is at the beginning, I just say, here's a little, you know, a little bit about me with my communication. I love to talk, but your voice is more important than mine, especially just with your harmony. Know that you can interrupt me, right? You can talk over me. I want to hear your questions because with harmony, they're going to wait. They're going to feel very rude, right? If they, again, interject or, or step over something. So I have to make room for that. Like, Jess, what do you feel about this, right? Then you're more comfortable sharing. So knowing I have high communication, again, just don't worry. I could talk about this forever, turn it down. Or if I'm talking to an individual, right, I have a, a story on the way to work. Like, oh my gosh, this is going, I can't wait to tell somebody at work, right? When I get there, this is what happened to work. And I'm telling the story. And of course that story leads into another story and then another story. And all now it's 10 minutes. And that person's thinking, hmm, they haven't asked me anything about myself. It's all about her, right? Her story. She doesn't even care about me. What I realize now, if I go in that same situation, five minutes, right? How are you, Jess? Right? How do you feel? Right? What happened this weekend? Right? Get your voice heard first. Then all of a sudden, again, you're more open to hear my story. So again, backing it up, there's those little tweaks, right? That we can do that helps you communicate better and helps other people um, understand you, but you also understand them. And again, we don't personalize it. Oh, that's Carrie's communication, right? She's going to come in some great stories. Even if something bad happens, right? It's going to make a great story. But those are those little things we can do to, again, intentionally dial it up or dial it down. So it's kind of, you need the strengths, but you also probably need a little bit of self-awareness too, to say, okay, these are my top five strengths, but I have to be self, I have to be aware or maybe a little self-conscious about like how, when they are dialed up too high, how that might make me show up as a a friend, a partner, a colleague, a boss. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. Is how do you want to be seen in the world? Right. It's your Mm -hmm. responsibility and to recognize it, right. Take a step back, that self-awareness. And once you understand that, it gives you that clarity again. Oh, I can ask questions, but do I have to ask every question that comes to mind? Right. What are those three most important questions? Because if I ask too many questions, I could seem like I undermine somebody, right. Or not respect somebody or, or doubt their knowledge. Right. So again, you just have to be aware and thinking of Michael, right. Your competition, number one, right? That's right. You love to, you love to compete, right? It is about winning. It is about being number one, but just being aware that you need measurement. You're going to compare, you're going to measure, but as a leader with competition, right? What we have to be aware of is, am I competing against my own team? Right. Mm -hmm. Cause we get caught up into that winning, right? Wanting to be the best. And if you have a team that's high in relationship building, right. They're going to be like, Oh, I don't want to compete. Somebody's feelings are going to get hurt, right? We Somebody's going to walk away, you know, in tears. But just understand like now let's bring everybody together with that competition. So we're the best as an organization. We're the best as a team. Mm-hmm. And knowing that that's how you lead. You you want to be, you know, number one. Yeah. Well, and Jess, as you said, you have to be self-aware of it. Like mine being competition, I'm mostly self-aware of that and to be honest a lot of people's isn't competition Mm -hmm. so i say more times out of not it has to kind of take a back seat and you want to make sure that you can kind of appease everybody but i love when the other people i'm with also are high in competition like that is my favorite thing Mm -hmm. but uh i would say what i heard cherry is you have your strengths but you got to learn how to use them effectively right Exactly. Like you at Maximizer, Michael, too. And, and I this is, I was working with a CEO of a company and she was very successful. She had Maximizer's number one. And that's the strength of taking something that's good and making it even better. Mm-hmm. So at work, right, that she was amazing, right? She had she was about quality. And uh, again, what she put out in the world was excellent. But at home, it looked a little bit different. Right. So when her kids came to her and they're showing her their schoolwork and their reports, she kind of slide it back a little bit and, you know, give some suggestions or this could be better. Right. And pretty soon they didn't show her, you know, their work. They're like, mom, we can never make you happy. 
You know, you're always showing it back. And she realized that at that moment, like how she uses, right, her strengths in different roles in her life show up differently at work, right? She's very successful at home. She needs to dial it down a little bit, right? And learn that for her kids to share, she can't just keep shoving it back and go, this can be better. This could be better. I would say that's why it's really important to understand everybody around you's strengths too, Mm -hmm. because I think it's, when I hear you talk about it, like the maximizer thing, I have the same problem with that. And to recommend how to do something better is not an insult to what you've already seen. It's that's just kind of naturally what you do. And I Mm -hmm. think that if the other person that you're speaking with also knows your strength, they know, okay, Mike is saying this because that's, that's just how he is. It's not because otherwise I think it feels like you're insulting their work or you don't trust them, whatever it may be. Right. Uh, We don't personalize it. Right. It becomes all a little bit more objective. That's his maximizer. He's going to want quality. Right. He doesn't Mm -hmm. want just bullet points. He's going to make it, you know, so it can keep getting better and better. Um, And that's what's so important about strengths is not only respecting your strengths, how you want to show up is changing that perception, because what we do is. What makes us successful, we think is going to make another person successful. So a lot of times as leaders too, well, like I gave them everything they need, right? To be successful. I don't know why they're not successful. And that person's like, well, that's fine, but it doesn't really work for me. Now I go, if I was working with Michael Wraith competition, how are we going to measure this? What's important for you? Maximizer. I'm not going to take it personally when you go, no, this could be better, right? We can make this better. In fact, my maximizer is low. I, I restored it very high. So I take something that's broken, broken and I can make it workable. It doesn't have to be the best. It can be good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Michael, that kind of makes a little hairs on the back of your neck stand mm-hmm. up, right? When you say it's good enough. But what I can do now is hand it off to Michael and he can take it from where I left off, right? It's working now. It's not a blank sheet, right? It's workable. Now you can make it even better. So the outcome, right? The output's going to be the best that we can get. But I'm not personalizing it now thinking, oh, he's just changing everything that I do, right? He wants to just keep making it better. Wasn't he happy with what I did? No, I know that he's going to make it better. So it's, a, it's a tough strength to live with, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of the, the influencing strengths, right? And the influencing, those are the ones that are, you know, again, they're not as common. We don't see them as often. So those are the ones you get some, a little bit of feedback, right? And sometimes like, mm-hmm. why do you show up like this? So again, having that word. That's my maximizer. That's my woo. That's my communication. Um, again, it just, it, it keeps it more objective. So we're not personalizing it, right? Mm-hmm. We're just like, oh, that's it, right? Our perception is not always reality. I think that's important to realize how we see the world through our own strengths. is not really how that other person wants to be seen. And that's the gift, right? Now I'm like, tell me about your maximizer. Tell me about your maximizer with that competition. How does that show up? right? What a powerful combination. So if there's an organization that is interested in using strengths, or maybe they're um, socializing, you know, several different types of assessments that they want to implement, is there any suggestions or consult that you would give them on if an organization is ready to bring something like this in, um, things that they should be thinking about in terms of implementation, things of that nature, Carrie? Yeah, I think, you know, you can use this at any point if you're just starting out, um, if you've been, you know, as an organization for years, it doesn't matter where you bring it in. It's just bringing it in and really you have to have ownership, right? Or leaders need to own this, right? It all starts with leadership. If they buy into it, your team's going to buy in it. What you don't want to do is have it the flavor of the month. Right. Like, oh, this is what we're bringing in this time. And next year, I'm going to bring another one, but really own it. Because again, in a short amount of time, in 30 minutes, you get an assessment, right? Those results. And then you can understand who that person is and taking that deep dive. Who is that person and setting up those team experiences, which now we really need because we've been separated, right, for so long. Um, And for you as a leader, right? You have a little map, like a snapshot of your team. And that changes, right? When new people come in, they bring their strengths. When people leave, they take their strengths with them. So it's always dynamic. And I think that's why I love it as a learner. I'm always learning something new. So again, I've had workshops where that's their first day, somebody on the team, right? Their first day I've worked. And then there's a person that's been with the company for 30 years, right? But are always learning something new. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. Yeah, the last question I have really quick is if 
if an individual goes out and finds out their strengths, let's say, cause I was thinking maybe I should have done this in college that way mm-hmm. coming out of college, there may be better roles for me. Is there an area that somebody can compare like what roles they thrive in based on their strengths? Yeah. What I would say is this assessment actually gives you some direction, right? Kind of those areas. It's not going to tell you what you should be, but it tells you kind of who you are, where you where kind of what direction you should go in. So for instance, I work with a lot of physicians and as a physician, they're going through medical school, right? Um, a residency. And usually their mentor wants them to be like them. They have usually a choice, clinician, uh, educator, right? Um, or in research. So a lot of times your mentor, you tend to go toward, because you like that person, you want to disappoint them, or it seems interesting. So you go toward what your mentor recommends. What they find out then is maybe they do have ideation, right? And futuristic in, in their top five or 10. And in medicine, those aren't prevalent strengths. So they probably don't want to be a researcher, right? Sitting down, or they'll probably be more a clinician or maybe an educator, but they'll tell you kind of what direction you should go to under that umbrella, like if you're into aviation, do you want to be, you know, a commercial airline pilot or do you want to be a experimental aircraft builder, right? Sure. Again, ideation, you know, having somebody tell you exactly how to do something right in the cockpit and do it over and over again could drive that person a little crazy. Experimental aircraft, now we can use those ideas. So again, it just helps you navigate, right? That path mm, gives sure. you, the, again, that clarity of, kind of the direction that I should go into what lights me up versus not trying to be what other people think I should be. Sure. So you still can follow things that you want to do, but maybe within that role or within that industry, there's things that you may thrive in. Right. Right. What's that kind of that direction or kind of, because every, you know, we have an umbrella, you know, overall umbrella, but what certain section or pocket within that organization or, or that career field should I go into? That yeah. I would, again, get my needs met with each of those strengths. Yeah. And I was thinking even within a company, you sit mm-hmm. down to do a career path exercise with somebody or succession planning, whatever it may be, you know, if they take those strengths into consideration to help kind of facilitate that conversation. Right. Sounds um, like it would be like a good thing for... Um, like high school career counselors to leverage, mm-hmm. you know, as an 18 year old, mm-hmm. 17 or 18 year old, I think, you know, your brain's not fully developed. You're still trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up. I think some sort of assessment combined with things that you think that you're interested in aligned to a, a counselor whose brain is fully developed and can kind of help you create those links could be a really good recipe for helping to provide some guidance and self-awareness to a young individual. Right. So I think you, I think your, your head's in the right spot there, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it helps parents too. Yeah. Because yeah. again, we have dreams for our children, right? For, and we think we know them best and what they want. And then when they're not, you know, following what we suggest, we get a little disappointed, right? But understanding their what they love to do, right? Where their talents and strengths are might not be our talents and strengths. So again, you can walk on a certain campus. Do you want to go to a big 10 school, right? And have this huge experience in football games and be other, or do you prefer a smaller college, right? That is quieter and, um, you know, what the setting is, but you can, again, get a better idea of who that person is and what they want. They understand themselves, but also the parents understand. So they don't personalize it then. Do they, and then we'll wrap up to this, but do they have a kid's assessment? I'm just thinking of the questions that, that yeah. I take as like, I could read them to my children. I'm not sure that they would quite understand the mm-hmm. questions in, in all areas, but I'm just curious if they had a different set of questions for kids. Right. So ages 10 to 14, they have a strengths explorer assessment. Mm-hmm. So it really has the top, it has like 10 strengths, right? You can kind of see where they, so it's a little different um, formatted, but you can see the correlation between the full 34. So that's 10 to 14. And that's helpful again, just to, for, you know, parenting or getting to know your kid or understanding who they are and they feel understood. Mm-hmm. And then from ages 15 on or eighth grade reading level, you can take the regular assessment, right? And you either get the top five or the full 34. So from 15 to 25, right? you're developing. So just know at age 25 and above, it's uh, more stable. So your strengths are going to change a little bit. They're not going to change too much, but it just gives you an idea, mm-hmm. right? Of uh, Again, directions. 
of what you might like, your preferences. I didn't realize that. That's interesting. I'm glad glad Gallup does that. Mm -hmm. Um, So Carrie, for our listeners who are interested in the work you're doing, um, I know you mentioned a little bit about where you can find strengths, but maybe um, indicate that again for our listeners who haven't taken strengths or maybe did their top five, but want to go get their top 34, where would you send them? Right. So Gallup Strength Center, um, or you can just go to Gallup Access, has all the assessments online. So you have the top five assessment, you have the full 34 assessment, you can, again, buy the code, take it right there. And then if you have your top five, you can buy another code that's unlock your 34 to get your full results, you don't have to retake the assessment. Um, So that's where you get the assessment. If you want coaching or team, you know, a team workshop or leadership, you can find me at carriebischoff.com. I have my own website. I'm on Instagram, Carrie Bischoff Consulting, LinkedIn, you know, under my name, a little bit on Twitter, right? Um, Not too much, but really there on all the major platforms, you can find an always interesting, you know, posting about strengths, posting about teams I work with, any insights. And I'll even post about this podcast. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. This was really fun. We really appreciate um, all of your knowledge and passion around the topic. And even for our listeners who are familiar with strengths, I definitely think they're going to walk away with some new nuggets of information and definitely for those that haven't. So thank you for being a guest, Carrie. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you, Jess. Yes. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsrm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.